This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. You know, I, I was, I, I, I was communing with the Lord up here while we were worshiping men to go, and I, I, I asked him, I said, Lord, is there anything you want to say to anybody here you want to say? And he, he reminded me of something from the springtime of 1981. How many remember what they were doing in the spring of 81? Somebody was thinking about being bored. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's a good thing. But uh, that, you know what? That 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 was forty years ago. But uh, I, I was I was I was getting ready. The reason I remember when God when God speaks to you, it always sticks with you. When it's not just a thought or a feeling, but when you hear His voice. And this was the first time, I had the strongest time I ever heard the voice of God. I was I was invited to preach at a church. Could be the first time to ever preach at, at a church, a little country church. In, place called Gasburg, Indiana. Well, if you never heard of Gasburg, Indiana, that's okay, because most people in Indiana never heard of it either. <laughs> it's a little, it's a little old bleep in the road, but the little country church had a had a Pentecostal preacher lady that had this little church, and she heard it, heard of me that was a I was a new guy getting started in ministry, so she invited me to come and preach. And I remember as, as a Christian, I'd been born again. You know, I got born again in January of 1980, so I, I, I was. Young at what I was doing, but by sitting under the word like we teach at this church here, I knew the victory that God had for people. And I was walking a lot of victory that short period of time because I took the word seriously. I sat under a good Bible teacher, had the uh, ministers I fed off of. They didn't have all the internets and everything then, but basically what I could listen to in my truck I was driving, I could listen to Christian radio. And so I found out who the good teachers were, led by the Spirit of God, and I, I listened to good Word of Faith teaching, and I learned I could be healthy. I learned who my enemy was. I learned that my knees could be made abundantly. All the things I learned, I learned. And as, as a Christian truck driver, going to factories, warehouses, lots of places I went to, I met a lot of different people, and a lot of people were Christians that were absolutely defeated in bondage to so many things. And so anyway, the night before I was going to preach at that church on Saturday night, I was on my knees in my bedroom. Of course, I was single back then, didn't know Mrs. Pastor yet. I was on my knees in my bedroom, and I was praying. And I said, Jesus, they invited me to come and preach. But I said, can I teach too? I said, I said, your people are so defeated in life. And I said, I would rather teach than preach. And of course, by now I know a lot more of what I said, but that's what I prayed. I didn't want to go there and preach to them. I said, I want to teach. And do you guys, does, does everybody familiar with the story when Jesus talked to Peter right before Jesus went to heaven? He said, feed my sheep, feed my sheep, feed my sheep. I was on my knees and I was absolutely, I could almost say knocked out of my socks. It was so heavy duty what he said. I was on my knees and when I prayed that prayer on the inside of me, and I've never, I've never had this happen again. I feel like my insides were going to blow up. I heard these words. Teach my people. Teach my people. Teach my people. And I felt like a 55-gallon drum reverberating. I mean, it just did that to me. I mean, I, I never, I've never heard it this strong since then. I've always been a Bible teacher then. You know, a pastor, but a Bible teacher. And so, you know, what we're going to teach tonight from the Word of God is what I've learned in almost 42 years of Christian living will absolutely help you cross the finish line. For what God has you do in life. It'll help you win every battle of life. 
And the thing is, I still see today, too many Christians have the same problem. They haven't mastered this. We're going to be talking about how to walk in love. They haven't got a hold of this yet. They still hold grudges. They still get mad. They still say they forgive people, but still treat them mean. And those kind of things, you can't win in life. If you act that way, we're going to look at the Word of God on that. I want to show you a couple books out of the bookstore, first of all. This book here, you know, I always show Brother Hagin books because that's my, that's my favorite things that help me get what I've got. This is called Love, the Way to Victory. Love, the Way to Victory. And this is a little bigger book. I'm going to show you another. This is a little bigger book, but there's a lot of detail. You can feel this thing for a whole year, make it your devotional. Because, you know, it'll get you healed. It'll get your family saved. It'll get you a job. It'll get your kids serving God. Everything you need in life, when you learn these things, it'll put you over. And then this one here is a simple little book called How to Walk in Love. How to Walk in Love. How to Walk in Love. Tells you how to do what we're talking about for the Bible. And that's the difference between a preacher and a teacher. A preacher, for the most part, unless they slip into the teaching mode, a preacher is more of an exhorter. They'll tell you. You need to do this, you need to do that. And I remember when I first got born again, Jesus started me off at a Pentecostal church, then switched me to Word of Faith later on that year. But the Pentecostal church, as a new Christian, Pastor Dave this morning talked about the bread of life and those things about the hunger for God. Well, I was so hungry when I got born again. I wasn't raised in a Christian home. I was raised in a heathen home. And I was talking to somebody the other day about I wanted to be just like Dad when I grew up. What my dad do? He drunk, he fought carried on. And so by the time I was a young man, I was following dad's footsteps. I was a good drinker and cusser and all those kind of things. Well, when I got born again, I'd seen enough of how the world was. I'd lived it. I was totally done with it. I got born again. I was born again. And I, I'd seen, I'd seen as a sinner, I'd seen double agents. That's the ones that go to church, but come back to the world, live like the world. They step back, of course, back and forth. I didn't want that anymore. So at that Pentecostal church, they had a lot of preaching. They told you, you need to do this, you need that. And on the inside of me, I kept saying, but how do I do it? How do I do it? Tell me how. I want to do that. Anybody ever been there where somebody tells you, God wants you to have this, God wants you to have that? And you're thinking, yeah, I want it too. How do I get it? Amen. And so anyway, that's why I like the how-tos. A preacher, for the most part, part, tells you you need to change. You need to get right. God wants you blessed. God wants your bills paid. You're thinking, yeah, I do too. I want my bills paid. God wants you healthy. He's thinking, yeah, I want to be healthy. God wants your kids serving him. He's thinking, yeah, I want them to serve him too. Just show me how to do it. And so a teacher, a teacher explains step by step instruction from the word of God. Matter of fact, the word preach means to proclaim and teach means to explain. So we need some explaining. And so I want to explain some things the Word of God's going to help you. And uh, the title of this is the number one key for your faith to get results. The number one key for your faith to get results. And how many do know that the Bible talks a lot about faith? That your faith is supposed to move mountains. Your faith is supposed to do a lot of things. Your faith is supposed to bring money in. Your faith is supposed to bring people into the kingdom of God, etc., etc. But too many people have great faith, but their faith not working. So we want to see how to make sure that our faith is going to work. Look, look at First Corinthians chapter 13, verse 8. 
I, I like that. Uh, who is the Word of God? Jesus. And so when we look at the Word of God, we get excited about the Word we're about to see. Then we're getting excited about Jesus that's about to speak. And you know, that's something, that's, that, this, this is real to me. That I know that when a man or woman of God is teaching the Word of God, I look past them, I look to the gift in them, as Jesus talking. Talk about people that walk with God. When they read the words of the Bible, so many times in a church service, all my Christian life, all my spiritual life, people have told me, wow, that was right to me. That was talking straight to me. What well, do you remember when Jesus on that road to Emmaus, those disciples said, that was him. Didn't our hearts burn within us? That's what happens when the anointing of God is on a man or woman of God teaching the word of God. You've prayed, you've asked him for answers, and you come to a church service like this, and you see things. And you know, to me, I think about this. Uh, Pastor Dave talked about how deep he could get. Man, I can get so deep I could overwhelm you too. But I drowned you with nothing. Because you'd be overloaded with knowledge and get put so much knowledge out there. They thought, you thought, wow, I didn't get anything out of that because you heard so much. And so if you only get one thing tonight, one revelation, one thing jumps off into your heart that you've heard from Jesus. And so then what you've heard and put into practice will cause your faith to get great results. Amen? 1 Corinthians 13.8 says this, Love never fails. It says charity to King James, but all the other translations say, Love never fails. Does never mean never? Love never fails. And so I learned in the early days of my Christian walk how I treat other people. And listen to this. This is where I see Christians miss it the most. How I treat other people, that includes my immediate family. Isn't that a terrible thing that so many Christians can love the meanest, rottenest, horrible people out there in the world and love them and forgive them, walk home and treat their husband, wife, their children meaner than a junkyard dog? Amen. You know, and I think, I think about this and you know, a lot of parents don't realize this and spouses even let this thing Slip, slip through their thinking that Jesus sees your son or daughter as his blood-bought child. It's one thing to be a strong disciplinarian. It's another thing to be mean. Amen. He sees your husband, first of all, as his child. He sees your wife, first of all, as his child. And you know, I will never forget... What Jesus said in Matthew 25. He said, you've done for the least of these, my brethren, you've done it unto me. Remember that? He said, you've done it unto me. And then I'll never forget uh, Saul of Tarsus on the road to Damascus. When Saul was hurting Christians, Jesus said, why are you persecuting me? Well, how could Jesus be being persecuted? He was already in heaven. But then he said, you've done for the least of these, my brethren, you've done it unto me. So how we treat fellow Christians, even if it's your own husband or wife or son or daughter or kids, how you treat your parents, Jesus takes that personal. And the thing about it, there comes a point in time, if you don't get a hold of this, that your faith's going to fail because your love's failing. Love never fails. Several years ago, I remember I was down in San Diego at Dr. Barclay. Uh, conference here, one of the first years I came to California, I think it was probably 2007. I remember I was sitting in my hotel room meditating in the Word of God, 
And when I read these verses here, the Lord said this to my heart. Examine your life. If you're failing in any area of life, there's a love failure. Because love never fails. And so I kind of judged my life that like that ever since. I mean, I pretty much did anyway. And so as I'd go through life, I'd look at financial things. If things wasn't working right, my financial arena or my family things, health things. First thing I'd want to check was my love thing because it said love never fails. And, you know, uh, also something to think about. See, we're right now we're talking about people, but there's a whole other trail I go down. There's a love for God, too. Have you studied John chapter 14, John chapter 15? Jesus said over and over again, if you love me, keep my commandments. If you love me, keep my commandments. And he's not talking about the Ten Commandments. He's talking about the Word of God, the things he tells us to do. And he said the greatest commandment is what? Love. He said that's the greatest commandment. And so Jesus said, when you love me because you're obeying my words, that my Father loves you and says he will manifest himself to you. That means God shows up in the life of a person that, number one, loves God by doing what he says to do, and then, number two, loves his people. Amen. Is that getting too deep? No. No. And, you know, I, I just think about, I, I was kind of talking to somebody a while ago about uh, President uh Trump, when he was running, remember he kept talking about winning? He said, he said, he said, I'm going to get you to win it again. Said, you're going to start winning so much you'll get tired of it. Well, as a, as a Christian pastor, I want to teach Christians how to win so much that they think, wow, is this real? Wow, everything I touch is blessed. Well, that's Deuteronomy chapter 8. He said, he blesses what you set your hand to. And so, what I'm talking about tonight is anything in your life that needs tweaked. As you tweak yourself with these love things, then you're going to be tweaked where you start winning again. Bigger and better. And your losses are going to get less and less to where people look at you. And you know in Malachi chapter 3, the tithing chapter, verse 12 says, All people will see you and call you blessed. Amen. They're not going to look at you and say, Oh, that old Cindy, she has such bad luck. <laughs> look over to Doug and say, You know what? Ducks are not very lucky about that. Well, they live on luck. We live on blessings. Luck is not from God. Blessings are from God. And God said he wants people to see us and call us blessed. Amen. And so love never fails. And so anyway, why is it that love never fails? Look at verse 13. And he says, now abides faith hope and charity or love, these three, and how many know that faith and hope are very important in your life? And you know, just a real simply, explanation of how faith and hope, when you are at your darkest place in life, and somebody shares something with you, and you're at your wits end, you think, this is it, I can't go any further, somebody says something, a spark of hope rises up. All of a sudden, you've got hope. You don't have faith yet, but you've got hope. All of a sudden, you think, man, I thought this was over, but I could see some light at the end of the tunnel. I could see some light. And then you begin to hear the word of God, and that hope then transforms into faith. And then faith can move the mountains. Faith will turn things around. And Hebrews 11, 1 says, faith is the substance of things hoped. 
Faith is the substance of things hoped for. You've got to have hope. Then you have faith. But he says you've got faith, hope, and love. But the grace of these is hope. The greatest is faith. What's the greatest? Love is the greatest. So love is greater than faith. And, you know, I'm just going to keep on quoting verses because they're in me and they come out. And you've got to know them. But I'm going to look at them all. But Hebrews 11, 6 says what? Without faith, it's impossible to please who? Without faith. But he said that love is greater than that faith. In Mark chapter 11, he says faith moves mountains. And so just get a hold of this because we need to major on faith. But at the same time, we've got to know about love, the kind of love it is, because he says love is greater. And I just want that to sink in. You know, we're going to be very serious about faith all the time because we cannot come through life or win if we're not faith people. Faith comes by hearing the word of God. Faith works by speaking the word of God. And faith receives by acting on the word of God. And so we've got to always remember those things. But tonight we're talking about the number one key for your faith to get results. And so keep a marker there. First Corinthians 13. We're going to come back to it in just a minute. It looks at things there. But go to Galatians chapter 5, verse 6. Galatians chapter 5, verse 6. And, you know, this is some things that some of you have heard. I know Pastor Dave talked about some of this a couple of weeks ago, I think. And I think I saw him. Uh, from Warwick, Rhode Island, teaching it. Because I, I like the Internet, too, when I'm not here. I like to see what's going on. And, you know, I think about my, my kids that I have in this church. You know, I think, look at Joshua up there a while ago doing such a great job on the guitar and leading music like that. And I think I was thinking, it would be nice to say, I taught Josh everything he knows about music. But uh, if I taught Josh everything I knew about music, Josh wouldn't be up there singing music. Because we'd all come in with earplugs, and we'd think, I can't wait till that guy shuts up and sits down, because, man, he can't carry a tune in a bucket. But anyway, I'm so, I'm so grateful that my children have got a hold of things, and Pastor Dave teaches the Word of God for what he's called to do, teaching the Word of God. And so, even I, because of the Spirit of God in them, from long distance away, can listen to this ministry over the Internet and get blessed and ministered to. Amen. Praise God for a good church and for modern technology we can take advantage of. Technology is not for the devil's people, it's for God's. And we've allowed the devil to take over too much too soon. But praise God, God's on the airwaves again. Amen. And so Galatians chapter 5 verse 16 says, For in Jesus Christ neither circumcision of anything nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. Faith which worketh by love. And I want to read that to you out of the Amplified Bible. In the Amplified Bible... It says, I don't know if Jose's got time to flip on the screen or not. But anyway, it says faith is activated and energized and expressed and working through love. Faith is activated, energized. You've heard of the energized bunny? You need to be the energized sheep. Hey man, energized sheep is much more powerful than the energized bunny. It says expressed and working through love. And so that is why love is greater than faith, because faith can't work without love. Love is the power behind the faith. And, you know, I think about John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave. He gave Jesus his best. 
And then Jesus, you know, we've probably all heard this say that's pretty popular on Facebook and stuff, says that the nails didn't hold him to the cross, love did. His love was expressed because Jesus said, no man can take my life. He said, I willingly give it. And because of that love that he used for his faith to allow them to do what he did, because when the disciples wanted him to do something about it in the Garden of Gethsemane, he said, don't you know, I could call more than 20,000 legions of able right, angels right now if I wanted to. And so in our lives, sometimes there's things that we can do our way, but love chooses to turn the other cheek. Love chooses to shut up. And then sometimes love chooses to speak up. There's sometimes, there's sometimes at the risk of somebody getting offended, love has got to speak up and say what's right. But it's got to be the spirit of love that does it, not the spirit of condemnation when you speak up. I know one of the things the Lord told me as a soul winner, as a young Christian, is this. He said that everybody I talk to when I'm, when I'm wanting to win people to Jesus in conversations, said always ask the Holy Ghost. says, is this the time to say something or I just stay shut up? And if you learn the time to be silent, then sometimes, remember when Jesus was stooped on the ground and he didn't say a word to him, that woman was accused of adultery? He just said he didn't say a word. said he just looked up and said one by one they were convicted by their own conscience. He didn't say anything. But that holy, righteous man of God there, they got convicted because of the stare. Sometimes in our lives, not a mean look, sometimes in our lives, when we're we're wanting to help somebody, the best thing to do is just shut up and just say nothing. And your silence is going to speak more than anything you could have said to them. But then sometimes, sometimes there's a time to speak up when it's the love of God talking. The Sadducees and Pharisees wouldn't hurt everybody. And be mean everybody, Jesus said, you're just a bunch of whitewashed scepters. You're a bunch of empty graves. Said, you guys are dead. Said, you don't know what you're doing. It says things like that. And so sometimes there's a time you speak up. What am I talking about? That faith works by love. And we as Christians have to know that sometimes when you do speak words of correction, it's not words of meanness. It's love because think about what Jesus said on the cross there. He said, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. There wasn't any meanness of that at all. He was a man looking at their souls, looking to eternity. And he said, forgive them. They don't know what they're about to do. They were in God's work, but they thought they were doing something to stop a man that convicted them of their sins. And so we as Christians, so many times in my life I know by experience, there's been people persecuting me and coming against me. And I, with a sincere heart, in my prayer closet, nobody heard me but God, said, Lord, I know what they're doing is wrong, and I forgive them. And, Lord, I ask you to forgive them to help them to see what's going on so they can turn it around because they don't know what they're doing. Because the Bible teaches us, when you're coming after a righteous man, God gives us the fruit of the Spirit, long-suffering, to put up things sometimes, but there comes a point in time when God says, that's enough. And I know in my life it deals with people because I've seen the judgment of God too many times. I know there comes a point in time when God says, okay, that's it. And when it's done, it's done. It's over. So I can, with a sincere heart, pray, not out of meanness and not attacking a person.
but look at eternity and know that eternity is a whole lot longer than 100 years on earth or 80 years on earth. And if I had a worst enemy, I would not want my worst enemy to go to hell. That's forever. Amen. And so we're talking about the love of God. It says that our love is activated and energized and expressed and works through love's how our faith works. And so if my faith wasn't working how the Bible says it should, how's the Bible say it should? The Bible says you lay hands on the sick and they recover. The Bible says you cast out devils. The Bible says you submit to God, resist the devil, and he flees. I mean, on and on and on. Every Bible verse that's real to you, if you're standing on those that's not working, you need to check your love walk. I want to say that again. If you're a Christian and you read your Bible and you're serious and you sit in a church like this and there's verses you're quoting, verses you're speaking, and it's not coming to pass, and it's not coming to pass, and it's coming to pass, then you need to stop and check yourself in your love walk because your faith works by love. And so that's the first thing I'd do, check my love walk. I'd, uh, I'd, I'd be quick to examine how I was treating people. That's the first thing I'd do. And uh, that would include my closest family members. That would include my closest family members, fellow church members, fellow church members. Amen. And uh, people I work with, strangers like cashiers, servers in restaurants. We was in a restaurant today and they were busy, but man, oh man, oh man. When you leave church, you're really thirsty. I bet it was a half hour before they took our drink order. So, you know, we just sit there, loved it, praise Jesus, just waiting and just praising Jesus, loving Jesus, waiting like that. Why would I let my faith be affected because somebody here is overwhelmed with the workload? Is it worth my faith not working? How about you? Amen. I was, I was talking to somebody out in Rhode Island the other day, and we were talking about servers. We was in a restaurant, and, uh, you know, I, I, I told them, it was a long time ago, I made the adjustment. That if I get a server that really take care of me really good, I'm going to bless him anyway. I'm going to give us up to the Lord because I know, I know, especially when it's, when it's a woman, I know there's a good chance this lady has kids at home. That's the only reason, there's only one reason she's out here putting up this abuse for these people because she sees the little mouths to feed. She sees what's going on. So why would I, why would I want to get offended at some mama out there to feed her babies? Stand on her feet all day long and have, have, have some cheap people give her nothing and then me there because I had to wait too long for my iced tea refill say, well, I'll tell you what, I didn't like the way she did, so that's that. No, I look beyond that. I want to be a blessing to people. Why is that? Because if I have to lay hands on one of your babies at midnight, I want my faith to work. If my church takes a hit, the devil tries to hurt my church, I want my faith to work. If the devil tries to do something to one of my loved ones, I want to be able to pray the prayer of faith and make sure my family stays protected because my faith works by love. And in the spiritual arena, how you treat that server or that cashier is going to determine how your faith works next week. Can you connect the dots? You know, because we're teaching the Bible and it says love never fails and our faith works by love, I, I, I saw I saw a picture years and years ago. Has anybody here ever painted the paint by dot things? 
You know, you got those things on, you follow them, you do all that there. That's where that expression, connect the dots, comes from. In our lives, some Christians are too shallow in their faith to connect the dots that if something's not working a month from now, to look how they was active for the last two months before that, they got to connect the dots. If things aren't working, you got to connect the dots and find out where the failure is. If you want to get the picture that God has painted for you. Amen. And so the first thing I do is check how I treat these different types of people. Then I check my word level. Because we're talking about that, that, that love is greater than faith. But faith's what moves mountains. And faith comes by hearing the word of God. So I would, I would stop and examine my life for the past season. And see, am I still consistently, on a consistent basis, plugging into God? Am I separating myself and not just, not just doing a quick little devotional in the morning time, running out the door, and that's my only contact with the Word of God for the whole week till next Sunday? We got to consistently not just read words on a page or out of a book. We've got to consistently, Jesus said, go to your prayer closet in secret that your father sees in secret, and said your father sees in secret what you're doing, and he rewards you openly. He said what we do in secret will have open reward. What is open reward? That's called manifested prayers. That means people look at your life, and, they, and they'll, they'll see James and Casey, they'll see Leah, they'll, they'll see Thomas, they'll look at them, people look at your life and say, wow, Thomas, uh, I saw what was happening last week, and it's all the way gone. They say, Leah, wow, how'd you come out of that? Well, that's called your father will reward you openly. And when people see the blessing of God, they don't see what you did in secret. But the father sees what you did in secret. He gives you open reward. And so the second thing I would do, I would check my word level. Not that I'm going to church and hear the word of God. Not that I'm listening to a preacher on the radio. If people listen to radio anymore, I don't know. But whatever you're listening to you got to have your own time where it's not just listen to somebody else. Like Pastor Dave said this morning, you can't say, man, I'm hungry, I'm hungry, I'm hungry. Uh, 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 Alexis, will you eat me a big burrito tonight? <laughs> I've been so hungry. Well, it might help her. It didn't feed me. We can get blessed by preachers if we're supposed to. But I would check my time with Jesus. And I'm not saying being legalistic that every day at 7 o'clock, that's where I am. We're on earth. We gotta be flexible, but on a consistent basis. If you miss two or three days or four days or whatever, man, you got just, when you get an open door, you gotta choose. Shut off the phone, shut off the TV, find you a quiet place. The Bible says Jesus always went to a wilderness to pray. Well, that was a secluded place. You gotta find your secluded place, and if it's your closet. If you got a bunch of people, that's your closet, man. Take your light in there, move the dresses apart, move the suits apart, sit down there if you're a Bible, and say, Jesus, i got to get with you. And you open your Bible up, you read verses pertaining to what it is you're dealing with in life, and you get quiet enough for him to say something to your heart. You'll get the peace of God in your heart. So I would, I would check that. I'd, I'd check my love level. I'd check that. And then always... Always be open to judge yourself of sin and wrongdoing. And you know, the best way I know to do it, I trained myself years and years and years ago. Matter of fact, I learned this off Brother Copeland's up at Dr. Summerall's church one time years ago. That if you know you've done wrong, something you've said to somebody, 
some action you've done, whatever you've done, Brother Copeland said this, and I've always stuck with this. He said immediately, he said, open your Bible to 1 John 1, 9 and read the Word of God out loud for yourself. Read it to the Father. It says, if you if you sin, confess your sins to Him. He's faithful and just forgive your sin and cleanse all unrighteousness. And so I did my best to live by this for nearly all my Christian life, that as soon as I've missed it, I ask forgiveness. Because sin is a blessing blocker. Amen. Sin is a blessing blocker. And so anyway, tonight we're, talk, we're talking about the love walk, but that's some things I would do. And so while we're in Galatians chapter 5, jump down to verse 22. Because we're, we're, we're talking about, we're talking about how your, how your faith can get the greatest results. And so this love walk is what we're talking about. And so verse 22, talking about the fruit of the Spirit, it says, but the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love. Love. And I'm going to stop right there on the love part because that's the first fruit that he names. And the fruit of the Spirit is actually describing the characteristics of God the Father. Because the fruit of the Spirit is the Holy Spirit in us manifesting the character of God. And so the fruit of the Spirit is the characteristics of God. And when we become born-again Christians, we receive God's nature in our spirit. And did you ever notice this? Did you ever notice this? The first, the first fruit in a true born-again Christian life is they forgive and they love everybody. Amen. I know when I got born again, I had somebody that had wronged me severely. Severely. And immediately, I didn't hate them anymore. Immediately, I forgave them. And I wanted to bless them. And that's what I did. But it says the first fruit is love. And think about this. Talk about the God kind of love, not human love. The God kind of love... And every one of us in here, I think, I, th- I think, I think, know for a fact that we didn't deserve to be saved. You know, I know some people were just good people raised in good homes, but a lot of us were not raised in good homes where we had good examples. And so all we needed, all we knew to do was, was, uh, be hateful people, mean people, cussing people, mad people. Don't get mad, we get even. You know, well, this is what we do here, raising that kind of atmosphere. And I know in my family, when I got born again, my family could not believe that I let loose of the grudges against the people who tried to destroy my life. Matter of fact, they thought I was so nuts, they talked about committing me. Said, he don't have good sense anymore. Well, I got born again. I got the nature of God in me now, and I learned that I could love like God loved. God, God forgave me when I didn't deserve it, so I could forgive other people with his love. Because it's in my nature now. And so that's the thing about us Christians. We can live out of our heads or we can live out of our spirits. You live out of your spirit. First John chapter 4 verse 7 says God is... Somebody fill in the blank. God is what? Love. And so if the first characteristic of God in us is love, that's because love is God. God is love. So because God lives in us, we can love like He loves. Because God is love. Is this making sense to anybody? You know, and, 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 and what I'm doing, I want to paint a really good picture in your soul that your life right now for the times we live in, somebody asked me the other day about, about the times of my, all my life on earth and things like that, said you've lived a long time, seen a lot, and I have so far. 
and said, have you ever really seen any times like this? I said, no. As a sinner, as a Christian, I can tell you, I'm, I'm, of course, I'm not as old as Frank back there. Frank's older than I am, just as everybody knows. <laughs> but but I know this, and uh, Cindy's almost as old as I am, but not quite. I get a little bit on her. But all of us people that are a little older, several of you younger people, I guarantee you none of us have ever seen this before. This is Bible prophecy coming to pass. But also, the Bible with this negative side, this Bible on the positive side too. In Isaiah chapter 60, he said, gross darkness will cover the earth. But then he said, but our light will get brighter. And so I identify with the bright light saying that my light is going to shine brighter in this gross darkness than ever before. And yours is too. But this, this, this love walk has everything to do with how bright your light's going to be. And so it's the fruit of the Spirit is love. And so when we become born again Christians, we have that nature now. And do you remember that Romans 12, 2 says, don't be conformed to the world, but renewed in your mind. And so you are going to have to read verses like this and get them into your heart and into your thinking. So when those negative thoughts come about being mean, getting even, revenge, saying mean words, I'll just write them a text. I'll send them a letter. I will, I'll give a piece of my mind. Well, don't you give them a piece of your mind, but you'll probably cut off a piece of your life. Because your faith's not going to produce. Anyway, the number one fruit is love. And then, get this, he always tells us uh, natural things to understand spiritual things. And so fruit grows and develops and matures as it stays connected to the vine or the branch. It grows. Right now, we've got a whole bunch of pistachio trees. I went out and checked them yesterday. Got a lot of fruit on them, but they're not ready yet. We've had to keep on watering them. We've kept them pruned. We've just made sure things keep on going right. That's the same thing with Christians. Our fruit is not full, full grown when we're born again. We have got to cultivate our heart. We've got to cultivate our life because the more that you cultivate and allow to develop and grow, the easier it is to love people. The easier it is where people People cuss you out and do bad things to you. Somebody says, I can't believe you took that. Yeah, we say, took what? What they said to you, how they, what they did, how they acted. I didn't even notice it. Why is that? Because do you think, do you think, just cause some dumb dummy down here on earth flips God off and uses the name in vain, it's going to shake heaven? So why should it flip you, flip, somebody flips you off, why should it cause you to lose sleep? Why should it cause you to jump in front of your brakes? Say amen or oh me. <laughs> amen. And so anyway, it develops. And so it's the same with spiritual fruit. He gives us that fruit, but it's up to us if it's going to grow or not. And so, the way fruit grows is when you get a chance to use it, do you use it? Or do you go back to the world and act carnal about things? Anyway, I want to show you what I've learned to do as a new Christian 42 years ago. And this world will close that. But I want you to see this. Go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Matter of fact, uh, Jose, flip Amplified Bible up on this one. And so it might not do you as good to look at that as, a, as a screen. But... 
I want to show you something in my Bible, what I, what I started doing probably 37 years ago. This is my middle of my Bible between the New Testament and the Old Testament. See those words written out there? With that yellow through that? To me, one of the most important passages in my whole Bible that I try to look at all the time is these verses out of 1 Corinthians 13. Because I know that, that love is greater than faith. And my love's got to make my faith work. So I always, my Bibles for lots of years, one of the first things, I open up my Amplified Bible, I lay it beside my Bible, and I write out the Amplified words in my Bible because I understand 1 Corinthians 13 a whole lot better out of the Amplified than I do any other translation. And, you know, it's like that man said years ago, I like winning. And I'm not getting tired of winning yet. I still like to win. No matter how much I win, I like to win more because as a spiritual leader, the more I win, the more I can help people. If, I, if, if I'm drowning, how can I save somebody else's drowning? Same way if you're Christian lives. If you're drowning in debt, how are you going to help somebody else get out of debt? If you're drowning in sickness and disease, how are you going to help somebody else get out of sickness and disease? If you're drowning in alcohol, drugs, and addictions, how are you going to help somebody else get free? That's why we're teaching when, and this love walk is such a critical part of that. Have you got that there ready to go? First Corinthians 13. Well, verses 4 through 8 are the ones that are the pertinent ones, but because of the sake of time and because of wanting to make sure I get across the points that I want, I just want to look at some key phrases up there, and I want you to look at these, what it says. And we're talking about love never fails. And we have the fruit of the Spirit called love in our spirit. Look at that first part. Love endures long and is patient and kind. Love endures long and is patient and kind. And what I've done, and I've talked about how to grow your fruit. Talk about how to call it. Remember I told you that a preacher does preaching and a teacher explains? Well, I've done a lot of preaching so far. Now we're shifted over to the part that's really going to help you. In Psalms it says meditate in the word day and night so you can be fruitful. And so to meditate means to talk out loud, to speak out loud the words of God. So to meditate in the word of God is to speak it out loud. And what's Romans ten seventeen say? Faith comes by hearing. Okay, who do you hear the most in life? You. You can't get away from you. Everywhere you go, you show up. So if you is speaking the word of God, what are you going to get more of? Faith. And so faith comes by hearing the word of God. And so what I've done to develop my fruit over the years, I will stop in my quiet time, open my Bible. And in my Bible, I've got those words written in the middle of my Bible, amplified. I'll be in my quiet place. I'll open my Bible. I say, First Corinthians 13, verse 4, the amplified Bible. Love endures long and is patient and kind. Love is dirt long and patient and kind. You know what happened to us on the way to church this morning? We live out by a lot of railroad tracks. Right when we was getting to the one track by the 40, a great big slow long train with five engines was coming this way. And I just went, shaka barutosokoti, we'll get there in time. And then Mrs. Patrick said, don't look. And then another one coming this way. It's coming this way with a bunch of engines. I say, oh, how I love Jesus. You don't have time to get mad about things in life. It endures long and is patient and kind. 
And so the patient and kind part's what you've got to get. How many, if we're talking about the characteristics of God, the fruit of the Spirit, think about this concerning your father and you. Does he endure long, be patient and kind with you? How many of you have ever been stupid for a season? I'm talking about somebody, you know, doing the wrong things for more than an hour. Sometimes for more than a week. Sometimes for more than a month. And just knowing i got to change this. Well, did the big heavenly fly swatter come down and go, whop! You're out of here. Did you hear the, you're fired! Nope. Because his number one nature, his number one characteristic is love. So what did God do? He endured long, was patient kind with you. As I look at these different things in this verses right here, that's how he is with us because that's his number one characteristic. But that's how we're supposed to be with others. Jesus said, love one another as I have loved you. How did he love us? He put up with us, put up with us, put up with us. He didn't take us out. Amen. We're talking about, we're talking about how your faith works. And so I want you to look down at verse five. And I'm talking about the parts of this verse that really speak to me personally. Do you see where it says this love in us is not rude, unmannerly, and does not act unbecomingly? It's not rude, unmannerly, and does not act unbecomingly. And, you know, I don't know about everybody else. I know about me. My biggest proving ground is in my own house. Me and this sweet lady have been together almost 40 years. We've been together in full-time ministry almost 30 years. And we see each other nearly 24-7. She knows all my flaws. I know all of hers. We know everything about each other. And when you're with somebody on the job and at home and everywhere you go, it gets real easy to be snappy. It's real easy to be rude and unkind. But this is such a great place to grow your fruit is in your own home. Don't treat your family like a bunch of jerks. Amen. Now you notice what it says here. It says that this love is not rude unmanly, does not act unbecomingly. So if you're going to be a person that wants your love fruit to mature... You're going to have to learn to bite your tongue and shut up. And then I read this part out loud. Love, God's love in us, and I always say God's love in me, does not insist on its own rights or its own way, except when it comes to remote control. That's just something that's not in here yet, but the husband, everybody knows, controls the remote. (laughs) Always the husband controls the remote until, until, he gets a revelation of these verses. And now, no, I offer that vote to you all the time. Tell the truth. Tell the truth. I give you, I always give you the choice. No, no, no. Sometimes I say, no cowboys, not we're going to watch police shows. <laughs> no, I, I, I'm really serious about that. We cannot, if we're going to be the kind of Christians that our love gets results, we're going to have to be able to yield. Amen. Amen, amen. And sometimes, sometimes it's cookies and cream and not coffee ice cream all the time, right? Yeah. Thank you. There you go. Okay. That's it now. Silent in the church. You, you had your speak. 
And so I read these out loud. You know, I get this to you. This, this is the closer. But I want you to see this. You've got to be able to start reading these out loud because not only, not only in your heart, they gotta be in your head. They gotta be, they gotta work because when you're tempted, when you're tempted to insist on your own way, you got to think about this. God did not insist on his way, his own way. You know what? I like what Brother Hagin said that one time. If God insisted on his own way with you, there'd be a hundred percent tithers in the church. God's way is tithing. All Christians don't tithe. And, you know, I know Brother Hagin, the reason this, this, this is just a really, real quick buddy trail, said he was ministering at a church one time, and he wasn't the pastor there. He was just a guest speaker. Some guy, some guy cut through the line there and had something going on, and God said to Brother Hagin, said, said, I can't do what you want because you've heard about tithing for years, and you still don't tithe. And said that man, Brother Hagin's words were, he about spit out his false teeth. He said, how'd you know that? And Brother Hagin said, know what? He said, what well, you just said. Brother Hagin realized what he said because the Spirit of God said it. And so then this man was saying, I want to make God do something. And God, and God said, you can't make me do anything because I can't make you. He said, if I could, you'd be a tither. And so then later on, Brother Hagin talked to that pastor. That pastor said, yeah. He said he's been sitting in this church for 40 years. And the guy puts in a dollar every once in a while. And so God... If he insisted on his own ways, everybody would hook up the kingdom of God. Everybody would serve in church. Everybody would do their part, and the whole country would be changed. And so we're talking about this part of the characteristics of love. You cannot force people to do what you want them to. You can't force people to do what God wants them to. And so you can't insist on things, but you can be an example. Amen. And so it doesn't insist on its own rights away because it's not self-seeking. And these verses right here, I have to feed on or I get stupid. It says, God's love is not touchy or fretful or resentful. Touchy or fretful or resentful. Touchy or fretful or resentful. And what I'd like to tell husbands and wives is this especially. The Lord taught me this years ago, Mrs. Pastor's never worked outside the home. She's done a lot of work in the church, so that's, I mean, that's definitely ministry. She's been paid for, et cetera. But she's never worked outside the home. But I was always a truck driver before I was a pastor. And part of the fleshly characteristics of most men I know of, unless they're trained by God, they come in from the hard day, walk in, and the wife could have done everything right in the house, everything perfect, kids take care of, house take care of, supper cooked. And then see one thing out of place. How come that shirt's still on the floor over there? That's where it was this morning. They didn't see the immaculate house except for that one thing when you got five little kids running around throwing things around. They didn't see how the dinner's cooked, the groceries done, everything's taken care of. So the one thing, that's called being touchy and fretful and resentful. And in modern times with all the working households, it's the same thing for the wives. When you got the husband take care of the car business, Everything else he does, they don't get all goofed up because there's bugs on the windshield someplace else but not in the desert. We don't have that problem here. <laughs> and so we have to know, we have to look for what's right, not for what's wrong. That's the love walk. Think about us. This is characteristics of God. When God looks at us, would that be terrible vaccine? You get in your prayer closet and Jesus said, I've got to talk to the book of Revelation. I've got this against you. 
And you get victory in every area of life, but you got a few things going on there. He says, I've got this against you, but he's not talking about all the victories you've got. Well, that's not how Jesus is. Jesus said, Betty, I really like the way you're doing. You know, I'm so grateful how you pray. I'm so grateful how you share your love with everybody you know. You know, because they, well, you know what, Betty, I got to tell you, I want to tell you something about you, what I don't like. And so if we've got that same love in us, we shouldn't be that way either. We ought to tell people what we do like and what we don't like. We ought to keep to ourselves and pray. Amen. And so it says, takes every account of evil done to it. Pays a lot of attention to a suffered wrong. You know, one of the biggest faults that I see in husbands and wives that destroy homes No, I'm serious. You guys listen to this. Why do you want to bring up something that happened five years ago again? Why do you want to bring up something that happened five months ago again? Takes no account of the evil done to it. Pays no attention to a suffered wrong. Once again, we're talking about the characteristics of God. This is how God is. God looks at us. He takes no account of how we wronged him. He pays no attention to it. He just says, the blood of Jesus cleansed you and it forgave you. Bernie samples, you're cleansed. You're forgiven. Let's go on. He doesn't, he doesn't come to me and say, you know what? I remember back in 1982, I thought you said you threw it to see forgetfulness. I thought you buried that Jesus when I repented. He doesn't bring it up again. It's over. But he just say, go and sin no more. And so for us as Christians, now listen to this. This is for somebody sitting here. You need to hear this. We're not on the internet, so it's not for them out there. This is for you in here. Quit bringing up the past faults and mistakes. Quit bringing them up if you want your faith to work. And so if there's a failure in your marriage right now, you might consider. Check your love walk. See what you're doing. And so anyway, verse 7, get down to this, the middle part of this. Is ever ready... To believe the worst. My, my writing's kind of fuzzy in my Bible right here. Does that say worst? Is there is ever ready to believe what? The best of every person. And so no matter how many times they failed, no matter how many times the things that went wrong, keep on believing. This is the time. This is the time. This is the time. We're going to get it this time. Amen? And then, of course... Love never fails. And so, as you put into practice the things we've looked at tonight, you treat your mate, other family members, other people in life with the love of God, you endure long, you're patient and kind, take no account of the evil done to them, etc., then your love's not going to fail. And if your love's not going to fail, then your faith's not going to fail. And if your faith doesn't fail, that means you're going to receive everything that your Bible says belongs to you. Family victories. Healings, needs met, open doors, things are going to work because love never fails. And that's all I got to say. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.